Welcome to the St. Benedict Parish Sunday Message Podcast. Thank you for listening. And now, here's the Sunday's message. Just got back from our annual Companions of the Cross retreat. And just before that, I was on vacation camping with my family in Algonquin Park. Now, growing up as a kid, we went to Algonquin. It's a famous provincial park in Ontario. And uh, I haven't been since, so this is the first time taking that next generation with my siblings and their kids, 16 of us in total, uh, 10 kids from age 13 down to two years old. And you can just imagine the mayhem. We had three canoes, a handful of fishing rods. We had 16 bicycles, countless marshmallows, and, uh, and just a blast. Here's uh, one of the beautiful hikes that we got to do together. Now, I went in assuming that this is going to be super fun and also not that restful for me. And sure enough, you know, every few minutes, hey, Uncle Simon, uh, do you want to go fishing with us? Uncle Simon, would you take us swimming? Uncle Simon, Uncle... And, and uh, occasionally they would say, Uncle Simon, will you join us for dinner? Which is one of those requests that I did appreciate. Uh, Kind of like in real life where people think that priests are starving and, and we need food, which is, which is often the case. Uh, my, my family, there were these three campsites. We were all adjacent to each other. And so I got to scan the menus and pick the best one every night. It was awesome. And so when, one evening at the end of the meal, uh, Uncle Simon, will you play badminton with us? Now, I've played all kinds of sports over the years. And I'm really not good at any of them. Uh, But badminton was the first sport that I took seriously. And the reason is because my dad played badminton growing up in India. And he was pretty good. I think he got trophies and stuff. And he had this killer smash. And so growing up, there was a bunch of families that would rent some, some gym time on a Friday night. And we'd all go and play. And so he imparted his love for the game to me. And he taught me some of the basic skills. And, and eventually, I actually went on to play in junior high and even, even for my high school team. And so I was like, sure, let's play. And so, you know, I'm playing with these kids, and they were horrible. So I was like, I got I to do something. I got to do something. This is so painful. And so I was like, okay, okay, gather around, kids. Uh, lesson one, this is a racket. <laughs> Here's how you hold it properly. And so I started to, I got them to line up. We started doing drills together. I was teaching them how to play. And uh, I went through a series of lessons with them. The camping trip turned into badminton camp. And next year, I'm going to be introducing wind sprints and weight training just to, to really go for it here. But, but it, was kind of, it was kind of special for me, right? Here's this sport that my dad loved, and he imparted this love to me and, and trained me. And then here I was able to pass that on to some of my nephews and nieces. And, and it was just such a gift. And maybe one day, who knows, they'll pass it on to their kids. Now, I don't know if it's because of my age and Father Dan, Father Isaac, they keep reminding me that I've entered geezerhood. Uh, but I just found this deep satisfaction, right? It used to be that I was, I was so focused on developing my own skills and, and my own abilities, but there was something so satisfying about working with these young people and, and trying to teach them, raise them up, you know, just to, to get them into into this game. And parents, you know this intuitively, grandparents as well. 
Uh, and being around my siblings and just watching them parents, just such a, a great admiration for them, this love for their kids and wanting to raise them up and develop them. My brother-in-law said, you know what? I never imagined how much I would love watching my kids play sports. And all of uh, his kids are in soccer. So my seven-year-old niece, in her first game, she scored 14 goals. She'll be the next Christine Sinclair, I'm sure. We understand the importance of mentoring and apprenticing kids in sports, or when it comes to education, the importance of that. Uh, but I think when in the church, we're not good at this. We're not good at raising up that next generation. And so, as was mentioned at the beginning, we're, we're in this two-part series. Father Isaac introduced it last week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land the plane this week. This series, Revive, about this this dream of the revival of the priesthood. Why? Because we believe in a church that's explosively alive. And for the church to become explosively alive, the priesthood needs to also uh, be explosively alive today. And, and the fact is, as Father Isaac mentioned last week, so many priests are barely alive at all. They're hanging by a thread. We look around and, and priests are, are isolated. They're lonely. There was this study that showed 45% are showing at least one sign of burnout. They haven't been equipped to lead in this day and age, in the 21st century, and they're really struggling. And if I'm honest, there's been moments throughout my 14 years of priesthood where, where I've been there as well. And thanks be to God, I've been surrounded by really good people who have supported me and who have prayed for me. And in fact, last week, Father Isaac, he, he asked uh, you to pray for priests who are struggling for, for new priests. I'm not going to ask you to show your hands to see if, if you did your homework, but please pray for priests. We, we need all the help we can get. Now, I have no doubt that Jesus prayed for that first group of priests, the 12 apostles. But in addition to prayer, he also apprenticed them. He worked with them. He lived with them. He walked with them. He prayed together with them. He did ministry with them. He, he coached them. He, he raised them up in this very personal and relational way. This is the Jesus model. And I think probably he picked it up from being a carpenter, right? He would have learned from his foster father, Joseph, how to develop in this trade, in this very personal way of being apprenticed. And it was that model that he used to raise up these 12, these first priests, to help them to fall in love with their priesthood and with the mission, and to develop some of those basic foundational skills as priests. And I think we witnessed over these last two Sundays the, the Gospels, where we see Jesus doing this very thing. He's apprenticing, offering real-time coaching uh, to, especially to Peter. And last Sunday, just a quick recap. So Jesus is like, hey, what are people saying about me? Who do they say that I am? And Peter, inspired by God, says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, Simon, you rock, man. Well, that's not like a direct translation. He says, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. 
Talk about apprenticing. This beautiful affirmation is he's calling him into this vital leadership role to be the first pope of the church. And then this week, just as the story continues a few verses later, Jesus goes on to share the plan. He's like, yeah, there's going to involve suffering. I'm going to go to the cross. And Peter pulls him aside. And he's like, hey, listen, I know you're the Messiah and all, but um, I think I have a better plan. It involves avoiding suffering and avoiding the cross altogether. It's going to be great. (laughs) To which Jesus responds, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Whoa. That's, that's, that's pretty powerful. It, just in a matter of verse, I'll show you those again, kind of like at the optometrist, right? This is one. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. This is two. Get behind me, Satan. So both are actually forms of apprenticing. Both are Jesus offering important coaching. One is a, a beautiful affirmation. The other is a correction. Because Peter, you're getting off track. You, you, you're not thinking the way that I'm thinking. Now note this. He doesn't say, Peter, you're fired. I'm going to go find a new, a new first pope to lead my church. Nobody says, I'm going to work with you and help you to think the way that I think, to fully embrace this mission that I have for you, which, yes, will involve the cross. Because you are going to need to lead and raise up other people. Now, it just so happens that this whole Jesus model of apprenticing uh, I see it right in our Companions of the Cross, in our Constitutions and Rules. I, I stumbled upon this, this one constitution. This is kind of our rule of life, and it says this. We live the common life in order to affirm, support, and challenge one another. That all of that is necessary in this work of apprenticing each other in this Jesus way. Now, how does this apply to us here at St. Benedict Parish? Here, this, this model of raising up, raising up people, raising up priests. Like, like, when I look at the problems in the church, the, the issues with priests, this, these global systemic problems, it's like overwhelming. I can't, we can't possibly fix all of that. And we definitely don't want to fall into clericalism with this overemphasis on the priesthood. And I just want to be clear, every single one of you, Followers of Jesus, you are called into this mission as well, to be, to be part of uh, this mission, to share Jesus with the world. But there is a special relationship between the church and priests, the health of the church, the health of priests. And we at St. Benedict, we want to create an environment where priests can grow and even be renewed, be revived in their priesthood. And in fact, this is already happening. I just want to give you a a few examples of this. You know, most recently, I think of Father Alex Kaladi. Some of you are like, Father who? (laughs) He was here for five years, his first five years of his priesthood. And, uh, And what a joy, you know, to be immersed in this environment that's focused on mission, where he's was raised, I mean, he came to us with incredible raw talents, and yet, he deepened in his confidence, he deepened in his love for his priesthood and, uh, and love for the mission, and we were able to work with him to, to develop some of these foundational, foundational skills, kind of like learning how to play badminton. This is a racket, right? He, he got to, and not just from me, by the way, from the staff, from all of you 
parishioners together. We were part of forming him. And I'm just so excited to see him grow. You know that expression, the pupil has surpassed the teacher? <laughs> I think that's definitely true. And I'm, I'm looking forward to see the impact he's going to have on the church. I think of another priest, for those of you who were around back in 2016, Father Michael LeClaire. This is a priest from Montreal who came here for six months on an internship. And uh, together, I, I was here not long before that. We were learning alongside of each other. I remember Father Mike when he first came. He was kind of in meetings, arms folded, kind of kicking the tires, not sure. But something happened to him while he was here. And one of the, those key moments was during the Easter vigil when he saw adults being baptized, coming into the church. He's like, I've never seen this in my ministry. That has to change. And he went back to Montreal with this fire, this yearning to, to see his parish renewed. And not only that, he has this dream of seeing the entire island of Montreal burning with a love for Jesus. It's amazing, and he's been experimenting with transplanting parishes over there. Uh, uh, it's just so cool. I'm excited to watch what's happening. His priesthood was revived here at St. Benedict's Parish. Or I think even, and by the way, uh, that priest next to him, his name is Father Justin, an amazing priest leader out in Vancouver. And I think also of my own life. That's me, in case you don't recognize me in the photo. Last week, somebody said to me, Father Simon, like, you know, you're this old, or at least middle-aged priest now, but how come you're not mailing it in? And I paused, I thought about that, and I think the answer is because of this parish, St. Benedict. I got here when I was ordained six years in 2015, and, uh, and over the last eight years, I know I've probably overstayed my welcome. And there's a few, few nodding heads, I see. Uh, over these eight years, I've been apprenticed, first by Father James, by several of the staff, uh, by you, parishioners, people coming alongside of me, affirming me, supporting me, challenging me at times, and that has helped me to grow. And yes, to this day, I still have this fire, this burning to see people discover Jesus. For those of you who already know Jesus, I want you to fall deeper in love with him. I want you to, to have this yearning to share him with others. And I myself, I just have this desire to, to pass this on to the next generation. And, and it's such a gift to be able to work now with Father Dan, Father Isaac, and I just can't wait to see where they're going to be five years from now. You know, you might be asking yourself, well, this is so great. Our parish, we've been able to work with priests and help bring revival to their priesthood. Well, why don't we do more of this? The simple answer is because we're limited and one of the key limitations is our housing situation. Now, often when priests want to visit, they're surprised to find out that St. Benedict doesn't have a rectory. So that's the fancy word for a priest house. Often there's a house near the church where priests live. Back when this church was built in 2010, uh, there, there wasn't a, a plan for a rectory. And for the last eight years, I've commuted from Lower Sackville. I've lived with, in community with my brother companions, and, and, uh, and I've been happy to do so, except every once in a while when we have a guest. Uh, like last March, our superior came, Father Roger, and so I was on an air mattress, right? Which is good for me. It's kind of like camping, in fact. So it's, it's, uh, 
it's good for me, but it, but it just points to the problem that, that we have a limitation uh, for, for growth. And so uh, together with the Companions of the, of the Cross Executive Council, we've been talking and, and praying, and we just see the opportunity here at St. Benedict. We'd love to send more and more brothers to be immersed in this awesome missional leadership culture, uh, but we're limited by the space. And so since January, I've been exploring different options and, you know, can we build a new house? Can we build an addition onto our current house? Can we buy a bigger place? And, and, and everywhere I turn, dead ends. You know, I looked at, at buying a new house. It, it's in the neighborhood of $1.2 million dollars and that wouldn't even give us something that was suitable for our needs. And so I was looking through my prayer journal, and, and towards the end of May, I got to this point of utter frustration. I, I, it, I sounded like the prophet Jeremiah writing these lamentations to the Lord. I was like, why, O oh Lord? I don't know how to do this. I don't know anything about real estate. Real estate. I give up. <laughs> and not two weeks later, somebody approached me out of the blue and said, hey, I heard you guys were looking for a place. Uh, there's this vacancy in a duplex very close by to St. Benedict that's, uh, that's opening soon. And you are, I'm sure, well aware of the housing crisis here in HRM. And so I see it as almost semi-miraculous. And so uh, we've been exploring this together with the Finance Council and, and looking at, at this. And, and actually, as of this weekend, we're, we're six Companions of the Cross living in our little split-level house in Lower Sackville, uh, just temporarily, because of, by October 1st, the plan is for us to split into two three-man households where Father Dan, Father Isaac, and myself will live close by in this one half of the duplex, uh, five minutes here from St. Benedict. And so it, it's this great opportunity for us to continue to live the Jesus model, where we pray together, we live together, we minister together, we help to apprentice each other, and we'll still stay connected with the other household. So I see huge benefits, huge opportunities. One is that we'll be so much closer. And secondly, there's space for growth so that more can come and experience this parish. And so I just want to get really practical for a second. Uh, there's some startup costs to this right, getting appliances, furnishing the place, as well as some ongoing costs connected to uh, rents and food and stuff. And I wasn't going to share this, but the Finance Council, they really encouraged me to share just the facts that, uh, that it, there's other parishes in this diocese, they spend on, on average annually twenty to $25,000 a year to house their priests in rectories and stuff like that. And for the last six years, uh, we've spent nothing. Uh, to, to house our priests because we've been living in this other, in this other household. And so, um, and so what I'm going to ask is for you to pray about contributing to what I'm calling the Apprentice Fund. A, to take care of some of these practical housing needs, and B, because you believe in this model of apprenticing priests who will become missioner, missional leaders for the future of the church. And so next week, there's going to be an opportunity. There's, there'll be envelopes in the Benedictus, and if you want to give online, you can do that as well. Every year when the companions get together, uh, we celebrate Mass at Hope Cemetery in Ottawa. And right by Father Bob's tomb, the founder of the companions, 
and this year we, we went around and we actually prayed a rosary gathered around his tomb. And I happened to be standing on the side, there's these different engravings. I was standing on the side that has this scripture that is very similar to uh, the line from our gospel today. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and suffer the loss of his own immortal soul? And that line pierced Father Bob's heart when he was 19 years old. And it led to his call to the priesthood. And through his life, he apprenticed countless men and women to be disciples of Jesus, including many young men who, would, who had vocations to the priesthood. And I was one of those people who got to sit at his feet. And now I've started to have the opportunity to apprentice others. And I, I pray that there will be many more to come in the future. And Father Bob was just convinced about this, this link between the the future vitality of the church and the future vitality of the priesthood. And I'm going to give the last line to him, his words, his dream, this God-inspired dream for the future. I see the church waking up and coming explosively alive to the point where it, with the power of the Holy Spirit, will shake the earth and nations with its dynamic presence. Thank you for listening to the St. Benedict Parish Sunday Message Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, subscribe and share this with a friend. God bless and have a great week.